Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for... Wait a minute, folks. You ain't heard nothing yet. Hello, Al Jolson speaking. Al, this is Ken Carpenter at the Kraft Music Hall. You're supposed to be over here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Bing Crosby Show and the Al Jolson Show, as well as the Railroad Hour with Gordon McRae. It's 2019. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a long intro because I'm going to read some of Variety articles again about what's going on with Bing. Uh, also a review of uh, the A. Burroughs last appearance, which was a month ago. They got a really neat write-up in Variety, and so I thought I'd share that. Uh, anyway, tonight we have on the Bing Crosby show, A. Burroughs' guest. And of course, A. Burroughs wrote um, Duffy's Tavern. And then later his son would write and create Cheers. So it's kind of neat that they um, both had pursued very similar programs, one in television, one in radio, and decades apart. Uh, after that, we have Al Jolson, and his guest is the Andrew Sisters. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, the Andrew Sisters, you would think they would appear all over the place in radio, but they're not on radio as much as you would think they would be, at least for me, at le and at least the programs that I listen to the most, the Bing Crosby shows and things, they don't pop up that much. Um, certainly not as much as I would expect for them being such a famous uh, singing group. Uh, just wonderful stuff they did. Uh, this is uh, at their peak right after the war. I think it's going to be a great time to have with the Andrew Sisters and Al Jolson and Oscar Levant. After that, on Gordon McRae's Railroad Hour, we have the Song of Norway. And that one, sometimes they're more uh, a popular piece, and sometimes they're more of a classical piece. <clears throat> the popular pieces being like Oklahoma and Showboat and that sort of thing. The classical pieces being more like this, the Song of Norway. So I hope you'll enjoy that as well. All three shows have some audio technical issues compared to what we usually present. They're not terrible by any means, but they all have their own issues. They're not pristine, uh, as we sometimes present, but I think you'll still really enjoy them for the content. One thing I thought I'd mention is I just love the fact that when we present these for you folks, it's like presenting a week, a musical week of programming for, from uh, this week 70 years ago. Because we get the Bing Crosby show is from uh, February 23rd, the Al Jolson show is from February 24th, the next day, and then the Railroad Hour is from February 28th, so spanning the course of about a week. So it's pretty cool that we present those all in that order that they were originally presented in years and years ago. Now, I thought I'd get into uh, that review I was talking about, so let's 
start going back to some of that. Um, the review of uh, Abro's um, appearance on the Al Jolson show from Variety said this. Uh, this is from a month ago. Abro's calls himself a singer who can't sing. He guested on Bing Crosby's Philco radio show along with vocalist Peggy Lee last Wednesday, the 26th of January. It turned out to be one of the season's highs. High spots of the show. Um, high spot of the show was Burroughs operetta burlesquing the Oklahoma-type musical with Crosby and Miss Lee giving him an assist. It was surefire. Yox started with a jolly band-type song, increasing, uh, increased with a love-type ditty, and reached a crescendo with the grand finale, California. Burroughs said he's ter terrific on television. A lot of guys in their trade will go a long way with that. He added that he's looking for a bankroller. If I stay out of work another year, is that a capital gain, he asks? Now, speaking of capital gains, let's go a little bit into that with some other Variety articles. We'd left off with um, Bing Crosby uh, getting uh, a deal with CBS. We didn't know the particulars of it, and so here's the new information. Uh, this is Bing Bags Another Million was the headline. That $13 million said to be laying around in CBS coffers, spoiling to be spent, is now only $12 million. Bill Paley last week made a $1 million notation on his checkbook stub after uh, talking with long distance to Bing Crosby up on Monterey Pen Peninsula. Following a few days conference with John O'Melveny, Bing's attorney and business intimate, the cool million went for 25% interest in one of two Crosby corporations, which controls his radio and picture activities. It proved to be the sweetener that stirred the deal for a full to a full boil. Although everyone concerned with the big push by Paley, uh, Raiders have had their lips buttoned. It is fairly well established that Bing's guarantee by CBS for a 39-week season is approximately $500,000. This figure is said to be around $200,000 more than his current Philco ABC seasonal take. The differential being in that the nature of a bonus arrangement because of Columbia's greater collection of high power stations which would necessitate fewer of the whistle stops which are now supplemented uh, in the ABC lineup. It is also fairly certain that Crosby will hold the same 9 p.m. time on Wednesday which both Philco and Crosby are said to have demanded and which is okie-dokie with Paley because it fits so snugly into his plan to build up another big night. He's well satisfied with Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. The big argument of Crosby's that had to be battered down by Paley before the groaner would say, I do, was the type of potency of programming to proceed and follow him. Now it's up to Paley to make good on his promise. So the pressure is on again with MCA running interference and doing the, the missionary work.
That's from Variety from January 26, 1949. Over the next few weeks, i got to catch up on a few more Variety articles, so we'll read you like one each week so that you can follow what, Bing, what was going on with Bing at this time uh, 70 years ago. A pretty exciting time for them trying to establish television, radio. Um, it, it's unfortunate, like I say, with uh, I've said before, with Paley and uh, CBS, I really think they were paying a tremendous amount of money to try and get Crosby to do television, and he just never would cross that threshold in the time that they would like. He didn't do his first television program until 1953, and that was like a one-off, and then after that, he didn't do anything for a long time. Anyway, having said that, let's get into this week's programs. I think you'll enjoy all of them. And I love A. Burroughs. It does a great job. You can tell he's a writer who, who writes his own bits in the, the Bing Crosby shows. And it really stands out as quality. So I think that's why Bing keeps having him back so often. Anyway, without further ado, here's tonight's shows. Enjoy. Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day someone waits for me this is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to Philco Radio Time produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra Judd Collins with the mayors and Bing's guests Peggy Lee a pretty girl True. And A. Burroughs, a funny man. True. And now here's Bing Crosby, a carefree boy. False. Next contestant, please. <laughs> oh, Bing, you know that at heart you're really just a no. carefree boy. At heart, yes, but the rest of me won't cooperate. <laughs> Think of all the men I know, you're one of the most active. You ride, you swim, you hunt, fish, golf. That's me, Jack Armstrong, All-American Charlie Horse. <laughs> Not too uh, sag to sing. I always manage to do that somehow. Besides, I have a very charming accomplice this evening. Oh, you mean, of course, Peggy Lee? The Chesterfield girl herself. Take a bow, Peggy. Hi, fellas. Very smart on sound tonight. Oh, thank yes. you. Uh, Peggy, how about it? You ready? I'm all set, Bing. The rhythm mares are gliding alongside in their canoe, bringing along <laughs> beads, carved coconuts, bits of coral, and a very stylish arrangement if I want to go. <laughs> Where you go? Oh, the natives are so charming in this quaint little isle of Philco, Philco. Yes, let's go, shall we? Huh? If we get mixed up, we'll segue right into Aloha on the steel guitar. John, let's do it. I want to go where you go Do what you do Love when you love Then I'll be happy North or south If you go east or west I'll follow you, sweetheart We'll build our little love nest I want to go where you go I want to do what you do Love when you love Then I'll be happy I want to go where you go 
should have been adequate, Ken. There were seven of us in there punching on that thing. Well, that, uh, that reminds me of a wonderful place for you to go. A what? place uh, where you'll be very happy. I know, Mr. Paley. No, no. I mean, where's that, Ken? <laughs> where's a good place to go, and what makes you so happy there? Why, Bing? Go to your Philco dealer. That's where. Well, you're right, Ken. It'll sure make the Philco dealers happy, yeah, too. It'll make you happy, too. Well, it should. They've got very happy stuff there. Those happy dealers have some very happy bargains, if too. Happy Chandler's listening. Hi. <laughs> That also goes for Happy Felt and Happy Hooligan and the Happiness Boys. Bing, I really, I want to tell you more about those Philco bargains. That's what I like about Carpenter, folks. You see? He's always ready to talk. Yuck it up, boy. <laughs> Thanks, Bing. But money talks louder than words at our Philco dealers right now. And folks, save up to $25.65 is what it keeps saying. Now, that's real important money talk. Get this. For a limited time only... Your Philco dealer will include at no extra charge up to $25.65 worth of long-playing records with your purchase of a two-speed Philco radio phonograph console. Now, talk about value. Man, you get a regular record library, up to 80 different selections, including eight complete Crosby classics, all on non-breakable, long-playing records. And you don't pay a dime extra. Hear them on a Philco console at your dealer now. Nothing else in recorded music can match this combination for quality of tone. And any phonograph that gives you less is out of date like the horse and buggy. So get yours now at a happy saving of up to $25.65 while this offer lasts. It's Tops from Philco, the leader. Miss Lee, would you join me in presenting for the first time on this radio program a song entitled So In Love? Oh, I'd love to. You got yourself a boy, Peg. And you've got yourself a girl. At last. <laughs>
In love with my joy delirious When I knew that you could care So taunt me and hurt me Deceive me, desert me I'm yours till I die So in love, so in love So in love with you, my love Am I? Ago, we of Trilco Radio Time pushed the piano to the middle of the music room and beckoned a lad named Burroughs to park his portly presence on the bench. The smiling young satirist was such a smash that we felt impelled to ask him back again. Thus, friends, here's radio's velvet foghorn, Abe Burroughs. Hello. Hello, I'm Burroughs, like he said. <laughs> Abe, I see where right now you're appearing at the Radisson Hotel in Minneapolis. Then on Friday, you're opening at the Park Plaza in St. Louis, and at the same time, you're broadcasting here with me in Hollywood. What's the idea of all this scurrying about? Well, Bing, I have found that when you sing like I do, you gotta be a moving target. <laughs> <laughs> I keep fairly mobile myself. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, while we're on the subject, how about singing one of your typical type songs right now? Well, Bing, here's a type song. It's kind of cute. It's a very common type song. One of those ballads where a guy is itemizing all the sentimental little things that went to make up his love for her. Oh. It's what you'd call a, mm, a laundry list type song. <laughs> very sophisticated. Should be wearing sequins. Like this, I'll show you. This man divulges his sources, don't he? <laughs> you are gone and I am here. I am here and you are gone. Gone are you and here am I. Little things around the place I find That of you do me remind The pile of dirty dishes And the garbage in the sink The spot upon the carpet Where your mother spilt her drink The picture of your father That was taken in the clink Tender little foolish memories Here's a marriage license that I thought would start a gay adventure. A baseball bat you used the time you thought I needed censure. The little satin jewel box where you kept your plastic denture. <laughs> Tender little foolish memories. Oh, we could have been such a happy pair, but something must have gone wrong. It started with the honeymoon trip I still think I should have gone along <laughs> There's a pair of stockings drying On a shower curtain rack A lovely negligee You wore it like a potato sack <laughs> The double lock I put on the door 
so that you can't get back. And a little foolish memories. I'm sure you must have written that after a frightfully human experience. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty frightful, all right. Abe, for years you were a radio writer. When did you first realize you could sing? It was about eight years ago, Bing. I was taking a bath, and suddenly I started to sing. Was that the first time? No, I've been taking baths for years. <laughs> I'll say one thing about you singing, Abe. You've got a powerful voice. Say thanks. It's really nothing that years of training couldn't do for you. Really? You see, Bing, you've got to be able to use your diaphragm and lungs. You must inhale enough air to force the notes out with power and authority. Mm-hmm. Inhaling air, that's the important thing. It's the same principle that's used by John Charles Thomas, Lawrence Melchior, and Hoover Vacuum Cleaner. <laughs> Next time I put on my blue serge suit, I want you to come over and sing the lint off it, will you? <laughs> I also do pressing, which we're doing right now. Yes, we... <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Well, as long as singing is our bent, uh, we're pressing. pressing again. Uh, <laughs> why don't we do an operetta? You got one on you? Yeah, certainly. I got a very romantic type operetta here, but I'll need you and Peggy Lee to help me. Oh, you don't need us, Abe. Peggy, where'd you come from? We flew her in just for that one line. <laughs> what a program. They spare no expense. Until we pay you. <laughs> well, anyway, I need you and Peg to help me with this operetta, Bing. If I sing it alone, I... I may lose face. I wouldn't let an opportunity like that get by. (laughs) (laughs) I was pressing my face. You'll really love this, Bing. It's my masterwork. It's a romantic, mythical kingdom type operetta. You know the kind. Oh, yeah, like the Prince of Pilsen or the Student Prince. The Count of Luxembourg, the Queen of Hearts. Jack of Diamonds. Six of Clubs. Jen. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm serious about this, Bing. This is a very beautiful mythical kingdom type operetta. You know these things. They're almost always about love among the nobility. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I know him well. The handsome young prince who becomes enamored of the poor but well-built goose girl. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> But you see, it's one of those things, you know, where he can't marry her uh-huh. because he has inherited the rare ailment that runs in his royal family. What's the ailment? Holes in the head. Oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this operetta of mine is called The Duke of Dittendorten. <laughs> dilly dilly. <laughs> now, Duke of Dittendorten is the story of Rudolf Funonzu Mittelchuk. Fourth Duke of Dittendorten. Duke of Dittendorten. Who plays the role of the Duke? Dilly Dilly. <laughs> you. I will, <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will play the part of your old counselor, Heinrich Heffelflugel, yeah. who is affectionately known as Schmozy. <laughs> anyway, as the curtain goes up, we find you, the Duke of Dittendorten, sitting in your palace, munching on a piece of pumpernickel. That's the national bread of Dittendorten. <laughs> and your old counselor, that's me, comes in. And what do you say? Say... I have come to see you, your serene supreme highness. Well, what about Smosy, my faithful old counselor grown bald in my service? <laughs> well, I'll tell you your SSH. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the people. They are clamoring for bread. Bread, eh? I have it. Let them eat cake. <laughs> Listen, you say let them eat cake. Don't you understand? The people are sick of cake. <laughs> 
Here in Dittendorten, they love pumpernickel. Yes, Dittendorten Knights love pumpernickel. True, true. Dittendorten Knights love their pumpernickel. Dream days and nights of pumpernickel. When they eat cake, they don't feel fed. Don't want whole wheat or shorten in bread. Rolls they be raped. Bagels they hate <laughs> In Dittendorf They love They love Their pumpernickel <laughs> Ah, Smosey, it's strange Here I am the Duke of Dittendorf And I have power, wealth My people are starving And yet I feel dissatisfied <laughs> Maybe it is a wife, perhaps, you should have. A wife? Yes, you know, one of those round, soft things. <laughs> this is better than pumpernickel. <laughs> now, what do you say about plighting your troth to our neighbor, the Duchess of Dorton-Ditton? What? You expect me, Rudolph, Duke of Ditton-Dorton, to marry the Duchess of Dorton-Ditton down there? But, Your Highness, it's a rich country there. They have the world's largest dues mine. Dues? Dues. D-O-O-Z, dues. What's, what's dues? It's very valuable. What does doesn't do, dues does. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Oh. You're not listening. I'm doing <laughs> You are gazing out of yonder palace window with a faraway look in your pumpernickel. No use, Smosey. My heart still belongs to... to someone else. You mean you are still yearning for the girl you loved in your student days, but who you could never marry because she was a commoner? Yes, I still love little Schnapsy. <laughs> she was so schnappy. <laughs> we nobility cannot marry peasants. Why not? It'd kill the racket. <laughs> <laughs> but I love little Schnapsy. May not a duke love? True, I'm a duke, but don't forget, I am also a man. Ridiculous. <laughs> Listen to me. You must have a royal wedding. I don't want a royal wedding. Royal wedding. Royal wedding. Royal wedding. <laughs> Well, sir, now the stage darkens and we do a flash type back scene, you see. We flash back to the Duke's student days. <laughs> We flash back to the Duke student days at the University of Humperdinck. Oh, good old UH, pronounced uh. <laughs> the young Duke and his friend Schmosey are talking in a tavern when a lovely barmaid approaches them. She is dressed in a lame gown with a plunging neckline, a sequin-covered apron with a plunging hem, and carrying a gold plunger. <laughs> this is the traditional uniform of the humble peasant. She speaks to the Duke. Good afternoon, sir. May I help you? <laughs> Good afternoon. You're beautiful. You're lovely. What's your name? I'm Schnapsy. 
What's your name? I'm not permitted to say I am incognito. Just call me Rudolph, Duke of Dittendorton. <laughs> you know something? I, I feel so... I feel so strange. I've, I've never felt this way before. Or maybe it's the lousy beer we have here. <laughs> No, no, I think it's something else. When a man is a man And a girl is a girl And a kiss on the lips is a kiss As long as I am me As long as thou art thee It means that we are we Well, sir, they stand there gazing into each other's eyes, you see. Now we dim the stage again and come back to the present. We hurry for a finish now for the pace of the show and the safety of the actors, you see. <laughs> now, we find that a new situation has developed. The Duke of Dittendorton has decided to forget about poor little Schnapsy, and he has consented to finally meet the Duchess of Dorton Ditton. Schmozy is about to bring her in, and he walks up and says to the Duke, Your Serene Supreme Highness, may I present Her Highness the Duchess of Dorton-Ditton. Your Grace. But that voice, it... It can't be. Ha, 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 This is my surprise, Rudolph. I brought back your Schnapsy. She is now a Duchess. You see, several years ago, Schnapsy went to America. Mm -hmm. She went on a program called Truth or Consequences. <laughs> and one of the prizes was the kingdom of Dorton-Ditton. How <laughs> wonderful. Schnapsy, we're together again, my beautiful... My sweet, we've found each other. Now we can combine our two countries. We'll unite Ditton-Dorton and Dorton-Ditton into one country. What'll we call it? Sherman Oaks. <laughs> oh, happy day. Happy, happy, happy days. Happy, happy days. Happy, 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 happy days. Days of happiness. Ha, 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 ha. Happy, happy days, happy, happy days, happy Duke of Ditton Dorton. To you all, my love, I've brought someone, please ring down the curtain. Happy, happy days. Sure was something. It was something, but what was it? <laughs> huh? Nice lyric, I think. Wait a minute, Ma wait a minute. We ain't through with it yet. They haven't done the commercial. The commercial? Certainly. Well, how else would you say it? <laughs> Are they kidding? Sure, Ken. You see, the national anthem of Dittendorton is now a Philco-type commercial. Right. And those of you in the audience who are vice presidents of the Philco Corporation will please rise and face Philadelphia. <laughs> Attention, everyone. The new Dittendorton national anthem. Dittendorton nights love their Philco radios. Dream days and nights of Philco radios. Philco consoles and bargains galore. Bargains, big bargains all over the store. They're a sensation. Oh, 
host of the nation. In death and darkness, they love, they love their film called And folks, you'll love this. Your Philco dealer is ready to romance you with real money right now. It's the most sensational radio phonograph value ever offered. Saves you up to $25.65 on the greatest combination in the history of recorded music. While this offer lasts, you get at absolutely no extra cost up to $25.65 worth of new long-playing records when you buy a two-speed Philco console. Now's your chance to set yourself up with a regular library of the world's finest phonograph records without spending one thin dime extra. You got up to 80 different selections, all on non-breakable, long-playing records. And on a Philco console, you hear them with unmatched quality of tone and performance. Anything less is obsolete. So don't let this great offer get away from you. See your dealer now. Those dollars saved make it more than ever worthwhile to buy your new radio phonograph console from Philco. Famous for quality the world over. The title tune from the Disney picture, written by Ticker Freeman, Dinah Shore's vocal coach, arranger, and social advisor. So dear to my heart, that September day, with the leaves turning brown and gold. When you were the dream I would hold So dear to my heart So dear to my heart That December day When we strolled down a snow-white lane the kiss that we shared will remain so dear to my heart and when it's springtime fields are dressed with flowers you're the sweetest flower in you oh how i treasure happy hours and the dreams that I shared with you they bloom in my heart in a corner apart every sweet tender memory as long as I live they will be so dear to my in my heart in a corner apart while I tenderly hold the key 
and the merriment subside, at least on this little musical pyramid club. It's time to thank Peggy Lee, <laughs> Abe Burroughs, and Milton DeLug, the concertmeister of the Dittendorten Brass Band for being with us here. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting us, Bing. Uh, who's going to be with you next week? Oh, next week, a smashing show with an all-star cast. An all-star cast? What does that mean? That means we ain't got anybody booked yet. <laughs> <laughs> or else nobody told me. <laughs> I figured that. Well, if you ain't got nobody, what about me? Well, you'll be back soon, eh? But we'll have to give the microphone a chance to recover a little, don't you think? <laughs> well, Bing, I guess we'll just have to listen and see who's with you. I might have to do the same yes. thing. Good night, Peggy. Good night, Bing. Au revoir, Bing. Au revoir. <laughs> hey, au revoir. Good night, folks, and thank you. This program was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Myrtle McKenzie. Tune in to Phil Cole Radio Time next week and hear Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the mayors, and Bing's guests, whoever they may be. Don't miss them. And remember, keep your eye on your Philco dealer now for the greatest values in radio phonographs from Philco, the leader. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to the Music Hall, starring Al Jolson with Oscar Levant and Lou Brings Orchestra and Al's guests. Well, keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for its song. Whenever a thrill of showers come Ken, come over here, will you? I want you to do me a favor. What's that? Get those girls out of my shower, will you? <laughs> and I'd like to report that so far, I still haven't been invited over to that other network. <laughs> you know the network I'm talking about? The one that left NBC with a capital strain. <laughs> but I... Not too much, folks. It ain't worth it. But anyway... <laughs> But I assure you, it'll be no strain on my part to sing this great opening ditty. Hit it, Lou, hit it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bright eyes, I know you so well. Bright eyes, what secrets you tell. I can't believe a word you say. Your eyes are traitors, they give you away. Bright eyes, they give me a thrill. Bright eyes, just say what you will. There is a meaning you cannot disguise in your bright eyes. Ah, bright eyes, I know you so well. Bright eyes, what secrets you tell. I can't believe a word you say. Your eyes are traitors, they give you away. Ah, got bright eyes, and they give me a thrill. Bright eyes, just say what you will. There is a meaning you cannot disguise in your bright eyes. Well, you certainly sang that song with a lot of pep. Thank you, Kenneth. I, I feel peppy tonight. And I attribute this wonderful feeling to something new that's entered my life recently. Oh? Yes, sir. Something small, soft, charming. It makes my wife and me tingle all over when we touch it. Your little baby. No, Ken. My little mustache. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Ken. I won't charge anything. Look at it. All right. Where is it? <laughs> Where is it? Crosby should have so much hair on his head. <laughs> Look, Ken. Gaze at the tip of my nose. And now... Let your eyes move slowly down. Okay. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Gee, that's a pretty belt buckle you're wearing. Ken, you passed it. <laughs> well, I'm only kidding, Al. That's really a handsome mustache. Uh, you know, I want to say this. For years and years, I tried to grow a mustache. And I couldn't until just this week. Really, Al? Yeah, you know, Ken... This Vigoro is a wonderful thing, really is. Uh, what a difference a mustache makes in a man. Last week, I was Al Jolson. Today, I'm Ronald Coleman. <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. It is, huh? Yeah. Pardon me, Ken. Give me the phone. I want to call my wife. Hello? Benita? This is Ronnie. Ronnie. A-S-A Ronnie. What? What, Benita? Jack Benny is coming over? Fine. Give him the laundry. <laughs> and tell him no starch in the shirts. Cheerio and pip-pip. Hey, Al, where is he? Where's who, Oscar? Rochester. I thought I heard him talking on the phone. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. That wasn't Rochester. That was me impersonating Ronald Coleman, the Academy Award winner. Impersonate Coleman? Let's face it, Al. In the Jolson story, you couldn't even impersonate yourself. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute, Oscar. There's too much of that kind of talk going around. You're as bad as the mayor of New Orleans. He wanted me to come down and sing at the Mardi Gras. You know that's where they dance in the street and everybody wears masks. Why didn't you go? Well, he wanted my mask to look like Larry Parks. <laughs> but if the mayor of New Orleans wants to hear me sing, he can tune in right now and hear the Andrew Sisters and yours truly sing... Way down yonder in New Orleans. Hey, Al, 
Way down yonder in New Orleans, in the land of the dreamy scene, there's a garden of Eden. That's what I mean. Take it. Rio babies with flashing eyes, softly whispering tender sighs. Stop. Oh, won't you give your lady fair a little smile? I said stop. You bet your life you'll linger there a little while. There's a heaven right here on earth with those beautiful queens way down yonder in New Orleans. There's a heaven right here on earth with those beautiful queens oh. way down yonder in New Orleans. Oh, by myself. In the morning All by myself In the night I sit alone With a table and a chair So unhappy there Playing solitaire I'm all by myself And I get lonely Watching the clock On the shelf I love to rest My weary head On somebody's shoulder I think I'm going to lay here I hate to grow older All by myself Well, girls it's good to have you here in the hall. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm just thrilled. How about you, Patty? Oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. Just think, we sang a song with Ronald Coleman. Girl, girl, just a moment. I guess I'll have to let you in on a little secret. In spite of the mustache, I'm not Ronald Coleman. Oh, we knew it all the time. You're Groucho Marx. <laughs> that's a good reason to shave it off. Look, girls, <laughs> I'll show you who I am. I'd walk a million miles for one of your smiles. Huh? Now, who does that sound like? Ronald Coleman. Uh. <laughs> oh, we're kidding, Al. We heard you trying to impersonate Coleman. Well, now that we all know each other, tell me, what are you kids doing these days? Oh, well, we've got our own radio show. It's called Club 15. We're on it with Crosby. Bing? No, Bob. Oh, the one with the voice. <laughs> you know, girls, I want to tell you something about Bing, but you've got to promise me not to let it out. Al, we swear on a stack of Bymere Bistro Shane records. What is it? <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> Look, Patty. Yes. Patty, for your information, uh -huh. Bing doesn't really sing. He doesn't? How does he get away with it? His brother Everett is a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> Say, by the way, 
I want to compliment you girls. I heard what a big hit you made at the Palladium in London, England. Oh, thanks, Al. But when we were over there, we heard how wonderful you were when you entertained the troops during the war. Incidentally, Al, tell me, did you have as much trouble getting food as we did? No, the rationing didn't bother me much. But didn't you have a hard time getting eggs? No, there were plenty of eggs. Jack Benny was there the week before me. <laughs> that makes me even, Jack, for what you said about my social security number last Sunday. Say, Al. Say, Al, what is this, a letter of the three wives? Oh, girls, by the way, do you know Oscar LeVant? Do we? My heart begins to tingle when the bells begin to jingle. Ziggity, zing, zing. Ziggity, zing, zing. Every time they play the saber dance. Ah, ah, do we know him? Oh. So you're the ones that ruined the sales of my saber dance record. Uh-oh, uh, looks like we're in for some feuding and fussing. Now, look, if there's going to be any of that, let's set it to music, huh? Oh, it's a good idea. Kids, let's do feuding, fussing, and fighting. Now, wait a minute. We're going to do it. Let's do it right. We'll set up a little atmosphere. Now, suppose we're a couple of hillbilly families in Kansas. There are no hills in Kansas. All right, then we're flatbillies. <laughs> Oscar, here's your chance to act. Now, you're Paul Holcomb, and the gals here are your daughters. I don't know if I can talk like a hillbilly. It's easy. Just do Rudy Valley imitating Fred Allen. <laughs> Okay. Hey, daughter, here's like you got back with the water from the well. You guessed it, Paul. You ought to be on double or nothing. I was once, but I missed the first question. Well, what was it? They asked me my name. <laughs> Thought that was mighty impertinent. Paul, why don't you send away and get me a husband? You ain't never a gonna get a husband. Look at you. You don't even wear shoes. Well, my shoes are too tight, Paul. Every time I take them off, my toes look like rolled anchovies. <laughs> Gee, Paul, look, I think someone's coming to courting. Yep, it's Asa Hawkins. Oh, ain't he handsome? Gosh, he looks just like Ronald Coleman. <laughs> hey, Asa, what are you doing here? Why well, came over to marry one of your daughters. Which one? Which one's there? <laughs> Gosh, he looks romantic. You know something, Paul? He sends me. Trouble is, you always come back. <laughs> now watch how you talk to her, Pa Hookum, or I'll feel you so full of holes you'll have gophers moving in. Oh, stop fussing, you two. Come on, Asa, honey. I feel romantic. Me too. Let's go down by the creek and hold toes. <laughs> Gee, do you reckon this is love? I reckon, cause when you're away from him, my heart is heavier than a bucket of hog livers. <laughs> I nearly said goose liver. Same thing. <laughs> then, then why don't we get hitched? Well, I don't know. Do you really love me, or do you just want someone to shoot the flies off you? <laughs> well, I guess it's a little of both. <laughs> what do you say? Happy Hookem, I'm going to give Patty a ring. Is that okay? Not with me, it ain't. Nobody's going to put nothing in my daughter's nose. <laughs> I, I ain't putting in her nose. This is a real good ring. There ain't no stone in the ring. I know. I'm going to put it over her wart. <laughs> now, but wait a minute. Before I get married up, there's something I got to know. How old is Patty? She's a 16 a years older. <laughs> She's a 16 a years older? I don't know who you sound like. Well, anyway. That's 16, a... that's too old. Are you sure that's her age? I know she's 16, cause she takes a bath every year. 
and there's 17 rings around the tub. 17 rings? I thought you said that she was 16. Don't you think I ever bathed? <laughs> Holcomb, I ain't gonna marry any of your daughters. Then I'm gonna blast you. You do, and I'll feel so full of lead, you'll have to send your laundry to a smelting plant. That does it, Hawkins. I'm a blaster. Ping! <laughs> And take great pleasure in our plain away of a life. Beyond the pleasant byways, beneath the friendly sky. No courthouse capers, we don't serve papers to trim a summer a thurgai. Our troubles enough. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Spread out, kids. <laughs>
thought Oscar played that beautifully. He did, Ken. Oscar's really a fine piano player. Gee, I often wish I could play the piano. Ken, be satisfied with the job you're doing now. Some people probably envy you. You know, there are worse jobs than being an announcer on a big program like this. For instance, take the little girl that wrote about in all the papers this week. She was an onion tester. An onion tester? I'm not kidding. This girl spends eight hours a day eating different kinds of onions. You know, it's like being a tea taster or a wine sipper. She tests each onion for quality. Onions? Eight hours a day? Yeah. What do her friends say? What friends? <laughs> you know, Ken, I, I, I feel sorry for the little kid, so I'm going to sing a song for her. In fact, if, uh, if there are any other onion testers listening in, this is for them, too. <laughs> Am I blue? Am I blue? And his tears and his eyes telling you. Am I blue? You'd be too. If each plan with your man done fell through Was a time I was the only one But now I'm the sad and lonely one Lordy Was I gay Till the day now she's gone, and we're through. Am I blue? Was a time I was the only one, but now I'm the sad and lonely one. Loudie. Was I gay till the day? Now she's gone and we're through. Am I blue? <laughs> and when I told them. How beautiful you are They didn't believe me They didn't believe me Your lips, your eyes, your cheeks, your hair Are in a class beyond compare You're the loveliest thing That one could see And when I tell them and I certainly am gonna tell them that I'm the man whose wife one day you'll be. They'll never believe me. They'll never believe me that from this great big world you've chosen me.
singing another song with oh, us. Oh, I love to sing with the Edward sisters. You pick one out. Well, it's a little number we made famous. It's called Sonny Boy. You made famous. Uh-huh. No, girls, look, I, I don't think I can do it. I, I don't sing new songs. Oh, come on. I'll try it. I'll tell you what, you be Sonny Boy. Yeah. I'll climb upon my knee. No, let him sit on my knee. Okay, I'll sit on all your knees. Look. <laughs> Gosh, Ronald Coleman sitting on my knee. Go ahead. When there are gray skies. What don't you mind in the least? I don't mind the gray skies. What will I do to them? You'll make them blue. What's my name? Sunny Boy. What will friends do to you? Friends may forsake me. What will you let them do? Let them all forsake me. Who will you still have in the end? I'll still have you. What's my name? Sunny Boy. Where am I sent from? You're sent from heaven. Where were you sent from? <laughs> well, wait a minute. Have I any special valuation? And I know your worth. What did I make? You've made a heaven. For who right where on what? For me right here on earth. God bless me. <laughs> when I'm old and gray, dear. You want, me to, you want me to promise something? Promise you won't stray, dear. Give me a good reason. I need you so. What's my name? Sunny nothing more tragic than unrequited love. Yet a good composer can take a sad subject like that, add a little wistfulness, a dash of heartache, and come up with a ditty that's really tops, and this is it. If we can be the same old sweetheart Then we'll just be The same old friend For I want someone like you To tell my troubles to My happiness on you it all depends Oh, I've known you too long to forget you And my old dream of love never ends Though I know you can't be mine We will meet from time to time and we'll still be the same old friend. Good night, everybody.
Al Jolson Show was released for listeners in the United States by NBC, the National Broadcasting Company, and rebroadcast to our men and women overseas by the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the first air performance of Song of Norway. Starring Marina Cochettes as the Countess, Melvin Niles as Nina, Gilbert Russell as Rick, and your host, Gordon McRae, as Edvard Grieg. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that also bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Gordon McRae. Tonight, as the composer Edvard Grieg, I shall tell you how he found greatness in his concerto. On an enchanted hill called Trollhagen in Norway, I used to play when I was a child. With me would be Nina and Rikard, my two dearest friends. And we were pledged together in the solemn bond of the very young. But Nina went away. Years passed. Rick began to write his poems, I my music. And even then, the urge began within me to compose something that expressed the beauty and spirit of my land, a song of Norway. Then one day, Nina returned to Rick and to me, and we three had a warm reunion back in our beloved Trollhagen. Say, we missed you, Nina, <laughs> putting it lightly. Thank you, Rick. And you, Edward. 
You wrote so seldom. Nina, never judge a man by the letters he didn't write. (laughs) Well, the main thing is that you're home again. And you know, I used to tell people I was from Norway, but they'd look at me as if I were a savage. To the outside world, we're still Vikings. People of mountains and ice. Oh, come now, Rick. You, Edvard, could do so much. A man whose music is as Norwegian as a fjord. You see, Nina, Rick's still waving his flaming sword. Sword, fjord. I've made a rhyme. You're not supposed to. Rick has always been the poet, ever since we were children. And you were always the princess, Nina. And you, the minstrel, Edvard. Again we stand on you, Screen Hill. The poet, the minstrel, the princess still. And who will swear that no matter where, fortune takes us or how we I will. And I will. (laughs) I'll find a place in the sun with you to guide me. I will guide you. My darkest battle is won if you're beside me. Rick and I were happy in our friendship. Then on Midsummer's Eve, one of our gayest Norwegian holidays, Rick met a strange gentleman in the square. Uh, pardon me, monsieur. I am Count Pepe de Lou of Paris. My name is Ricard Nordrach. Charmed. You see, monsieur, the Countess, my wife, is an opera singer. And you know opera singers, very temperamental. She insisted on coming here for the celebration. And when my wife insists, ah, uh, she insists. What? That is either my wife or a factory whistle. What a quaint place! 
Peggy, you may present me to these charming people. Ah, with pleasure, my dear. The famous diva Louisa Giovanni, also the Contessa in private life, when there is a private life. <laughs> oh, how I love this place. Such a, a such charming simplicity. Quite different from your grand opera, Countess. Poof, grand opera, pretense and tinsel. Grand opera and I met and parted. From now on, I live, laugh, and love only for today. No. interested in music. How nice. Oh, 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 beautiful. It must be new. But well, then you know, Grieg is always writing little songs. Lovely. Oh, 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 lovely. Bravo. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, young man, you simply play entrancingly. Well, thank you. And for that, I'm quite willing to look up to you, but not indefinitely. Oh, I'm sorry. I shall come right down. Peppy! Yes, my dear? We stay here. But your concert in Amsterdam. Cancel it. Where I like it, I stay. Poof. But the queen is expecting you. Poof to the queen. <laughs> but, Louisa, you can't poof the queen. Peppy, go cancel Amsterdam. Louisa, I tell you, 
Yes, Louisa, I can. A <gasps> uh, young man? Yes, madame? Tell me about this Edward Grieg. He's a man of rare genius who one day will be one of the greatest composers. <laughs> He's one of the first attractive geniuses I've ever met. How do you do? I'm so glad you like my music. Oh, Edward, this is Madame Louisa Giovanni, the famous singer. <laughs> You're quite handsome. Well, uh, thank you, again. Edward, I must call you Edward, n'est-ce pas? Edward, I'm a person of great impulse. As an artist, you must understand. Oh, I do. Well, that is, I, I think I do. Woof. Like that. I left that stuffy opera for the glitter and excitement of the concert hall. Does that interest you, Mr. Grieg? Me? Well, I, I don't quite understand. I have not as yet selected my accompanist. But just now, when I heard you play, I decided, poof, there he is. Edward. Well, thank you very much, but I, I really, I really... Good, can't... good. I will tell Pepe I have discovered another protege. <laughs> he will be Edward, this is wonderful. Your chance to be heard. But, Rick, our work together, the music for your poem. Oh, you can do that when you come back. Oh, Rick, I just can't. Shh, Nina, we must tell her. Tell me what? Well, Nina, a lady came here today, a rather overwhelming lady. I know, the opera singer. She's the talk of the entire village. Oh, Nina, she wants me to go with her on a concert tour as her accompanist. That means being away a long time. But, Nina, you must realize the opportunity. Yes, it, it is an opportunity. I, well, I, I don't know what to do. Oh, you must go, Edvard. You will travel and meet great people of music. And they will hear your music. That's the important thing, Nina. They will hear Edvard Grieg's music. Yes, Rick. Go tell her Edvard will accept. Oh, gladly. Nina. Oh, Nina. Here in our lovely northern twilight, I'm, I'm seeing you as if for the first time. Edvard, darling. And with the sight of you comes music. Can you hear it? Yes. It's so near it touches us. Music. Of the wind and the trees. Never change the strain. 
Countess will sing one of your songs. My songs are only for you, Nina. Here, see this one I wrote only today. Oh, let me look at it. I love you. Now, there's a, a new name for a song. What better name could there be? I love you too, Edward Green. Nina, will you marry me? Yes, Edward. Oh, darling. Edward, it's all settled. Oh, Edward! Yes, Rita. So, Edward, you will be my new accompanist. What is that music? Festival is starting, Countess. La, 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 la. Friends! Yeah, yeah. Nina, may I tell them? Yes, Edward. Friends, Nina has consented to be my wife. Congratulations! Yes, Louisa. We cannot cancel Amsterdam. Her Majesty is expecting me. I must appear. But, Louisa! We must leave at once. Edward, you must pack immediately. But, Louisa, can't we go tomorrow? No! No! Not tomorrow, but no! My dear Nina, but the life of an artist is like that. So come, Edward. We must be going. Goodbye, Edward. Goodbye, Rick. You'll never be too far from me, Edward, darling. I'll always have the song you wrote for me today. Ringing clear. ever stop to think of the railroads as a special sort of highway? Well, that's just what they are. And because we have railroads, it is not necessary to burden our other highways with a lot of extra large and extra heavy vehicles. The sort of vehicles which interfere with the convenient use of the roads by ordinary motor vehicles, and which overstrain and break down the highways with excessive loads. Because we have railroads, it is not necessary to do this to our highways. But just the same, Mr. Thomas H. McDonald says that's what we're doing. And Mr. McDonald knows because he's the United States Commissioner of Public Roads and one of the great friends of highway transportation. Talking to a road builders conference recently, Mr. McDonald said, and I quote, We are overloading our highways in their traffic volume capacity and in their structural capacity, end of quote. And he added that the results are reflected in the accident record and in what he termed skyrocketing maintenance and reconstruction costs. Describing the increase since 1931 in truck traffic, and especially the increase in heavy axle loadings, Mr. McDonald said that the effect has been, and I quote, that prior to the war, damage had reached alarming proportions. With the marked increase in heavy loads since the end of the war, the damage has become even more alarming, end of quotation. 
Mr. McDonald went on to say that insofar as the great majority of trucks were concerned, there was no problem of critical overloads. And he added that every proposal to increase truck sizes and weights beyond the recommendations of the American Association of State Highway Officials should be rejected summarily. But something which Mr. McDonald did not say, but which is likewise true, is that further increases in truck sizes and weights are not necessary because we have a special sort of highway which can carry efficiently and economically the largest and heaviest loads, the American Railroads. Now back to Song of Norway, starring Marina Cochette, Melva Niles, Gilbert Russell, and your host, Gordon McRae, as Edvard Grieg. My concerto, Our Hill of Dreams, and Trollhagen seemed far away during the months that followed. Paris, London, Vienna, all a weird symphony of trains, concerts, and the inevitable tea party. Louisa, as usual, took complete charge of things, and soon I found myself in a concert tour of my own. And so the country boy from Norway became the lion of the salon. We ended in Copenhagen. My recital was a great success, and I saw the proud faces of Nina, Rick, in the audience. And they had brought my mother with them. There was a reception in my honor the next day at the Royal Conservatory. Thank you. Thank you very much. Edvard. Nina. I brought Rick with me. Rick, I'm sorry. I've hardly had a chance to talk with you. Oh, I only came yesterday. I know you've been so busy. I'm the one to complain. He's been here a week, and I've scarcely seen him. Well, you understand. Preparing for last night's recital... I sat with Rick. And when you played music we remembered from Trollhagen, we were too excited even to applaud. Oh, those little pieces. They're good, but they're so, well, rather native. Edward. You know, it's remarkable how one's point of view changes. Now I want to reach for something more important than just folk music. And uh, have you found something more important, Edvard? Oh, come, Rick. You take everything too seriously. Edvard. Yes, Nina? Rick has completed his poem. Good, Rick. Fine. It's as beautiful as Norway itself. I'm sure it sings with your words, Rick. Not yet. It needs your music, Edvard. Oh, Edvard, darling, I have the most exciting news. I have trapped a second line for the reception. Uh, Louise, you remember my friends, uh, Miss Nina? Oh, yes, the little girl from Norway. Edvard, do you know whom I brought with me? Hendrik Ibsen. Ibsen? He's here to talk to you about writing the music for his new play, Pergunt. My music in an Ibsen play? Nina, Rick, did you hear? Ibsen has become world famous. It's a great honor, Edvard. Yes, another rung upward. Exactly, my dear girl. This would have happened if he buried himself in that silly little village of yours. Edvard Grieg would have written great music no matter where he lived. Poof! Those simple little folk songs? Now, nah, when we were in Vienna... And Lisa, Monsieur Ibsen is waiting on the terrace. <laughs> Be quiet, Pappy. Ah, yes, Louisa. In Vienna, dear Nina, my Edward wrote a song, especially for me, a gay, happy song. Yes. I love to sing it. Pappy, I said I love to sing it. Oh, yes, Louisa, dear, please sing. Oh, no, Pappy. Oh, please do, Louisa. Very well. If you insist. Ah, I insist. (laughs) 
Excuse me, please. Yes, and Rick? Yes, of course. It will be an historic moment. Nina, I'm afraid the music to my poem will never be written. It will, Rick. It must. Edward promised. And you know he'd never break a promise made on Troll, Hogan. Oh, there you are, children. Oh, Mother, Mother Grieve. Ricard, I've had a letter from your father. My, my father? What did he say? He said that you shouldn't have made this trip, that the doctor forbade it. Rick, you never told me you were that ill. I'm not. Everyone worries too much. Come, let's have some tea. In a little while, Ricard. I want to talk with Nina. Oh, then please excuse me. I'd like to meet Henry Gibson. Oh, I worry so about Rick. And about you too, Nina. Me, Mother Greed. Nina, when are you going to marry him? Well, I, I don't know. You should. You two have been engaged for a long time. But Edward has been traveling so much. Yes, I... that is something the Countess is always careful to arrange. He has helped him. Nina, we are simple people. Such a woman does not think as we do. Edward needs you, Nina. Now more than ever. Attendez! Attendez, everyone! Edward Grieg will compose the music for Henry Gibson's Pergunt. Uh, he will go to the Italian Riviera where he will work with Herr Ibsen. And every so often, I shall drop in on Edward <laughs> to inspire him. <laughs> Nina? Nina, you heard? Yes, Rick. Nina, we've lost him. Oh, Mother, Nina, Rick, isn't it wonderful? I'm going to Italy to write with Henry Gibson. Well, have you nothing to say to me? Yes, Edvard. As from a dream come the hopes of the past unfold. Shadows that stand in a once lovely land, this fall. 
Something. You must. Come, everyone, a toast. A toast to Edward Green. And may today's announcement bring him fame and all the things that make life worthwhile for an artist. Countess, love doesn't come divided. I may bring happiness to my one love. Edward Grieg and I will be married one week from tonight. Nina. Nina, you've made me very happy. Edward, my dearest. Congratulations, my dear. I do hope the Riviera will not be too cold for you. talking a few minutes ago about what Mr. Thomas H. McDonald, the United States Commissioner of Public Roads, said about the extra cost to individuals and to the public resulting from overloading our highways. The highway user, Mr. McDonald said, and I quote, does not wish to pay for new highways to replace those destroyed by excessively heavy loads, end of quotation. And Mr. McDonald pointed out another way in which a relatively few extra large and heavy vehicles add to highway costs by reason of, and I quote, 
the reduction of the numbers of vehicles of all types that can be carried by our highways when trucks constitute an appreciable percentage of the total, end of quotation. Under certain circumstances, he said, this reduction in the traffic volume capacity of roads is as much as one-third. So the public, the highway users, and the taxpayers are paying more than they otherwise would have to pay for their roads and are getting less use out of the roads they pay for because of a relatively few extra-large and extra-heavy vehicles. And it is all so unnecessary when we have available railroads specially built and specially fitted to carry just that sort of loads and to do it with unequaled efficiency and economy. The Railroad Hour show train will return in just a moment after a brief pause for station identification. Now back to Act Three of Song of Norway, starring Marina Cochette, Melvin Isles, Gilbert Russell, and your host, Gordon McRae, as Edvard Green. I went to Rome and began work with Ibsen on Pier Gint. It was a stormy collaboration filled with quarrels and bickerings. Somehow the music for Ibsen's strange tale would not come to me. My nerves became frayed and jumpy. And the ever-present conflict between Nina and Louisa added to my distraction. I finished the music finally, and Louisa insisted on having it played for the first time before a small gathering of her film. They're applauding for you. Soon the whole world will applaud for you. And you cannot turn from it, Edouard. Nor from me. Yesterday you were a boy who wrote music in a village. But now the name of a man is heard. And you can make him great. I know, Louisa. And I'm grateful for everything you've done for me, but... Uh, pardon moi Monsieur Grieg. Your wife just arrived and she wants to see you alone. What is she doing here? Nina here? I, I don't understand. She said she wasn't coming. But please excuse me. Very well, but remember, I shall be waiting. Nina, what is it? What's wrong? Edward, a letter just came for you, special post. It's from Mother Green. From Mother? Well, let me have it, please. Oh. Edward, what is it? It's Rick. He's gone. Oh, Edward, no. This note. He left it for me. Dear Edvard, the day is passing and our lovely fjords sparkle with the last light of a dying sun. It is so with me in my life, for I can hear God whisper. To you, Edvard, I leave Norway, the maid so fair, like crystal to behold. Nina. Nina, my darling, we're going home. The troll Haugen. Yes, troll Haugen. Oh, Nina, I failed you as I failed Rick. Can you still love me? I've never doubted, nor will I ever. 
First Christmas in our own home here in Trollhagen. Where we always wanted to be, darling. Where we played and dreamed. You and I and Rick. Yes, it was here on our hill of dreams, Nina, that you first said. I love you, I thought, good. Strange music in my ears. Only now, as you spoke, did it start. Strange music of the spheres, and its lovely hum is coming from my heart. Look, Nina. The mountains are asleep under the snow, like giants under white blankets. Do you remember, Edvard, how Rick used to write about the mountains? Tonight I, I keep remembering his poem. It needs your music, Edvard, he said. And you will find it and make it live. Sleep, sleep on, my sleepless Norway. Thy chill dark star will yet burn brighter for thy sleep. The words fit into this night. Let me sit here at the piano and listen to them again, Nina. From you. Beyond. Far beyond the span and space of all place north. And before. Oh, long before the face of time fell upon the fjord. The mountains loved the sky. The sun knew the earth. And the land bore spring. Listen, I hear it too. Rick's voice. And there in that far-off time, and full of spring's flowing breast, children danced, 
Even Norway danced. Go on, Edvard. Go on. Once long ago. Sings with Rick's words. Long, long ago. Rick's Dream, a song of Norway. You've kept the promise at last. Yes, Nina. We three are together once more. And Norway will answer his song with her own. The song of Norway ringing clear through the Melvin Niles and Gilbert Russell will be back in just a moment. Meanwhile, this is your host, Gordon McRae, giving his warmest thanks to the members of our supporting cast, Jerome Cowan and Myra Mars, for their excellent performances in Song of Norway, with musical adaptation and lyrics by Robert Wright and George Forrest, based on a play by Homer Curran. Song of Norway was adapted for radio by Milton Lazarus, who also wrote the original stage play. And now, here are Marina Koshets, Melvin Niles, and Gilbert Russell. I just want to tell you how very much I enjoyed appearing for the Association of American Railroads in this exciting production of the thrilling Song of Norway. Ditto for me, Gordon. And for me, too. Well, we all thank you, Marina, Melvin, Gilbert. And we hope you'll be listening next Monday night, March 7th, when we'll be bringing you Jeanette MacDonald in Franz Lehar's Merry Widow. I will. I will. And I will. <laughs> That's wonderful. And the following week, March 14th, another treat. Victor Herbert's charming Irish operetta, Eileen. In honor, of course, of St. Patrick's Day. Well, that's another date. <laughs> All aboard! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week, goodbye. of Norway has been presented by special arrangement with its original producer, Edwin Lester, and through the courtesy of Universal International Studios, who will soon world premiere The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. Marina Koshets appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture Little Women, starring June Allison, Peter Lawford, Margaret O'Brien, and Elizabeth Taylor. Gordon McRae appeared by arrangement with Warner Brothers. 
This is Marvin Miller speaking. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by 132 railroads of the United States. Each one of them has its own operations and services. Each one competes keenly with others for business. But all of them work together through the Association of American Railroads for the improvement of all railroading and for better service to you. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.